Well, hey everyone, I'm Pastor Judd Wilhite, and I wanna thank you for joining us today. You know, Central's a place where it's okay to not be okay. And we are so glad that you're here. I hope you enjoy this message. Good to see you guys today. Happy Easter. Glad you're here with us. Hope you're doing well. Listen, have you ever had a moment in your life where you had certain expectations and then your experience didn't live up to your expectations? Like every day? I was thinking of a few standouts for me. I remember when Lori and I were dating and uh, we were engaged and I was looking forward to, you know, getting married and moving in together. And I sort of thought when you moved in together in a marriage that like you were going to split everything. Like, like the, the house is like 50-50, you know, the bathroom counter is 50-50. It's 50% my stuff, my toothbrush, that's about it. And then 50% of all the explosion of her things, right? I sort of thought the closet was going to be 50 50 and we were gonna we were gonna share that like this is her I just didn't I was naive I didn't understand I I had expectations but then I learned real quick man my experience was very different and her stuff was everywhere and pretty soon I realized man we're not sharing a bath a bathroom sink counter anymore this is her bathroom counter and and we're not sharing a closet anymore this is her closet and, and we don't even share a house this is her house I'm just thankful to be here you know what I mean Lucky to even be, be on the scene, trying to find a little place to put my toothbrush, that's all. I, I remember as a parent, I, I had expectations. I had seen kids like melt down at the grocery store. You ever seen this? You know, the kid melt down or, or on an airplane. And I remember thinking like, when I'm a parent, my kid will never do that. <laughs> will never do that. I would never allow that to happen. I remember getting on a plane once when Ethan was really little, and, and uh, as soon as I sat down in the seat, he literally reaches up. I didn't even realize it was happening, and this woman in the seat in front of us had really long hair, and her hair was coming between the seats, and he grabs her hair and yanks it, and this lady yells and looks back at me, and I'm like, look, man, I'm just trying to survive. I don't know what to say. I thought I would be in control, but I control nothing. Man, you have, you have expectations, but then you have experiences. And, and the way we manage that gap has a lot to do with our own like well-being and emotional and mental health, for sure. I think sometimes that gap can get so far apart that we can start to get cynical. We can get bitter. We can get jaded. We can get frustrated. I mean, maybe even if you think about the last three years, maybe with the pandemic, you had some dreams and some things that you hoped would happen that got canceled and never happened. And even now, maybe you're struggling with planning or looking too far out to the future because, you know, everything could cancel at any moment and it could all get shut down and we could all die. So there's that. Right? You know, like you just sort of look out and it messes with your head a little bit. Or, um, you know, maybe you're, uh, you watch the news. And, uh, man, I don't recommend that. But, you know, you watch the news and all the things going on in the world, war, turmoil, politics, drama, tension, and kind of all of the clickbait and all the stuff, you know, all of the uh, uh, different kind of opinions that get pitched back and forth. And you watch all of this and you just, it's easy to feel like, man, we're just headed to a place that will be worse than the place we came from. Or you see this stuff about artificial intelligence, chat, GPT, and all of this. You're like, did we not learn anything from the Terminator movies? Come on, y'all. I mean, you know, like, 
did Skynet not teach us anything here? Like, what, what's happening? You know, or, or you're a Dallas Cowboys football fan. And it just doesn't matter what your expectations are. Your experience will never live up to those expectations. It's heartbreak after heartbreak after heartbreak. And I think I meet people all the time around our community that kind of have an attitude that, that things are bad and things are getting worse. And where we're headed to is worse than where we came from. And I want to remind you today that Easter is the ultimate beacon of hope. And Easter tells us that even if things are hard in the short term, where we're ultimately headed is going to be better than we can even imagine. Easter is the good news that we can expect great things because of our great God. In fact, turn to somebody and say, he is risen. And then turn back to somebody else and say, he is risen indeed. That's what they used to say back in the old days, right? He is risen. He is risen indeed. That means Easter declares that death couldn't stop Jesus, that the grave couldn't hold him, that it means that all things are possible, even when it seems like everything's over. Because Jesus rose again, you can laugh again, you can hope again, you can be positive again, you can trust again, you can have love again, you can have joy again, and ultimately you will rise again just as as he did. Jesus rose from the dead. Our faith celebrates it. And it reminds us that as the old song says, our future is so bright, we actually have to wear shades. So I just want to give you a little tonic to the negativity that's floating around out there and remind you that as a person of faith today, you have every right to be optimistic about what God has done and what he will do in your life and in the future. And I want to share with you a couple things that we can hold on to in our lives. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. It's this a powerful Easter passage. And uh, I'll read this when we get to the red words. Say them real loud here with me. But here's what it says. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. That's Easter, right? That's the resurrection. We've been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with what? Great expectation. You see that? Great expectation. Now, if, if, if somebody followed you and I around this last week with a camera, would they say that we lived with great expectation? <laughs> Somebody's like, yeah, good for you. Awesome. But I'll, I'll just be real with you. If you follow me around all week, you'd be like, I don't think Pastor Judd's got great expectation right now. You know, I, you know, I, I think we're all fellow strugglers, if we're, if we're honest, about, about a lot of this stuff. But the Bible's saying, look, we have reason because of Jesus' resurrection to have hope. So let me share with you three simple things that we can look forward to, that we can expect because of the resurrection of Jesus. And the first is this. We can expect God's mercy. We can expect God's mercy. Uh, we all need mercy in our lives. I was thinking this week about, about uh, a time when my kids were younger, they were teenagers, and um, we were uh, traveling. We were at the airport trying to work our way through the security line to get up to the kind of where you can go through security and all of that. And my son, Ethan, he says to me, Dad, I don't feel so good. And I'm like, oh, you're all right, buddy. You're okay. And we kept kind of going along, weaving a little more. And he goes, you know, Dad, I, I don't feel good. And I'm like, I remember at one point I put my arm around him. I'm like, listen, man. We all have to do things that we don't want to do in life. 
You know, you, come on, you know what I'm talking about. You ever do this? Like, now, I'll just be honest, because I'm a dad. Like, with my daughter, I'm like, you know, oh, honey, I'm so sorry. You don't feel good. I'll carry you. But with your son, you're sort of like, hey, tough up, bro. Life's hard. Crap happens. You got to deal with it. I put my arm around him. I'm like, you know, tough up. You know, like, you know, just be strong in this moment. Everything's it's going to be fine. You're going a little bit. I don't feel so good. You're fine. We're going to get through security. You're going to get a snack and all that. We get right up to the security uh, person where we're, we're handing them our ticket. And he literally passes out. And I mean all the way down to the ground. And I, I, by the time I turned around, I watched his head bounce off the floor. He was out. I didn't even know if he was alive for like 30 seconds. It was scary. People are kind of gathering around. Everybody's, you know, they, they call medical. Security rushes in. Everybody's standing there. I'm like, and... Finally, after about 30 seconds, he comes to, and when he looks at me, you know the first thing he says is, I told you I was sick. (laughs) Talk about father of the year stuff right there, man. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you did. Anyway, the ambulance came. We had to go to the hospital. We missed our flight. It was a whole deal. Turns out he had low blood sugar. He's a big growing boy, and he didn't eat before the flight. And anyway, all that to say, um, now when he tells me he's sick, I've learned to believe him. You know, he, he actually means it as opposed to me when I was younger, and I'd do anything I could to get out of whatever I didn't want to do. You know what I'm saying? But I needed mercy, and the truth is I need mercy every day. And I think most of us do. I mean, isn't it true when you look at your own life that sometimes you do things that you wish you wouldn't have done or you say things you wish you wouldn't have said or you act out in certain ways you wish you could get back? Or, you know, if you're like me, you have this tremendous potential in your life to self-sabotage, you know, certain things. If you don't see that in your own life, just watch the news. You'll see it in others. And, And can we all not watch the news and turn it off and say, something is very wrong? and broken in our world. The Bible calls this sin. And it says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible's very realistic about that. Like, we've all failed, we've all blown it, we've all made mistakes. But the good news of Easter is that Christ came and lived a perfect life and died a sacrificial death so that simply through faith in him, we can begin again. We can experience new birth and we can go on a spiritual journey with God and we can count on his mercy every day of our lives. Look at this, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Let's look at this uh, part of the verse again. It says, it is by his great, what? Mercy that we have been born again. What, what does that mean, to be born again? Well, the Bible implies that when you place your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, that you can literally have a second birth, a spiritual birth or rebirth, if you will, to be born again through faith in Christ. And he says we can be born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And if you're not sure if you've ever kind of been born again or what that's all about, I want to give you an opportunity at the end of our Easter experience to follow me in a simple prayer, just to open your heart to God, to take a step towards him and to, in your life, experience a new birth, a spiritual rebirth, to be born again through faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But we can expect God's mercy. It's God's mercy that motivated all of this. It's literally who God is. I mean, check this out. One of my favorite passages in the Old Testament, in fact, the most often requoted passage in the entire Old Testament, 
of the Old Testament, is this passage right here, Exodus chapter 34, verse 6. It was so foundational for the Jewish people in the Old Testament that this is the verse. It either gets quoted or alluded to more than any other in the entire Bible as you read through the Old Testament. They went back to it again and again and again. And it's so key for this reason, because this is the verse where God talks about his character with Moses, and he describes his character in his own words. You know, a lot of people have different ideas about God, right? Some people think God's just sort of like grandpa in the sky. Some people sort of see God like Santa Claus. Some people see him like a really angry officer out to give you a ticket, right? Some people see him like a judge. But how does God describe himself? Who does God say that he actually is? Here's what he says to Moses. He says, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy, I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Now, let me just break this down. First of all, he introduces himself as the God of compassion. I mean, that's pretty revolutionary. I can promise you in the, in the ancient world, the, the religions of the Near East didn't have a lot of gods running around introducing themselves as gods of compassion. It would be like, I'm the God of strength and might and power and, you know, all this stuff. God says, no, no, no. I, first thing I need you to know about me, this is who I am. This is my character. In his own words, I'm a God of compassion. And not only that, he's a God of, of mercy, meaning he loves to give his people better than they deserve. He's a God of patience. It literally says here that he is slow to anger. It's fascinating. The Hebrew language can be really descriptive. And so the idea of somebody that's quick to anger would be hot-nosed, right? Somebody that's, that's hot-nosed, you know, like they're, you know, your, 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 your nostrils flare and, you know, you kind of rear up in anger. That's kind of that. But here's the idea of slow to anger. The Lord's saying, I am long of nose. Not Pinocchio. But that's who God's saying he is. He's patient. And aren't you grateful? I'm thankful. He's patient. He has unfailing love. The idea of this description of love in the Hebrew language is more than just a feeling. You know, people today, we think of love and we think, I got the butterflies, I'm in love. No, this is about like a dedicated commitment to do good to somebody, irrespective of like feelings and emotions, unfailing love and faithfulness. God is faithful. He doesn't change. He doesn't change his mind. He doesn't change his heart towards you. And all I'm saying is this, no matter how bad the news is, no matter how bad the circumstances are in your life or my life, no matter how challenging things get, we can count every single day on God's mercy. We can expect his mercy. We can bank on his mercy because that's who he is. And because of Jesus' resurrection, it seals it even more. So we have every reason to hope this Easter we can expect God's mercy. Second thing is this. We can expect God's blessing. We can expect God's blessing. Now, we use the word bless in a lot of different ways in our culture. Um, people sneeze, and everybody says what? Bless you. Yeah, my wife's very convicted about this. Uh, I didn't really go up in a bless you home. I don't know. People sneeze in our house, and we got the Kleenex, and you know, I, we just kind of left the room. But man, I learned real quick when I married Lori, like when you sneeze, it is a sign of respect and kindness to say, bless you. She's very convicted about this. And, and, and not only that, like she blesses other people, complete strangers. We'll be at a restaurant and somebody will sneeze the table over and Lori's like, bless you. And I'm always trying to duck. She gives like drive-by blessings, you know, like she's into it. 
Now, I grew up in Texas, and if you're from kind of the south or that sort of area of the world, uh, people will say, bless your heart. Ah, oh, bless your heart. Which is, you know, it can be a nice term of endearment, but there's kind of a subtext to it, too. It, it can also be like, oh, bless your heart. You're, you're not so smart, are you? You know, you're, you're the stupid one, aren't you? Bless your heart. And if you want to take it to another level, another thing they say in the South is, bless you and your mama's heart. <laughs> That's a whole other level of like, man, you're really not so smart. People hashtag the word blessed, and it's often for like silly things, you know, like, man, I got extra fries at Chick-fil-A or whatever, hashtag blessed. But when the Bible uses the word bless or blessing, it's talking about something meaningful and rich and significant. It means that you have God's divine favor on your life. You're blessed. And you don't really earn it. You don't really deserve it. Um, it's not something you necessarily achieve. There are things you can do to position yourself to be more blessed, but you are already blessed today as a person of faith. And Peter is going to call our attention to God's incredible blessing in our life. Look at this. First Peter chapter one, beginning of verse four, he says, and we have a priceless, what, help me out, inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. He says, we have this inheritance. Now, an inheritance, well, that's something that you receive because of who you are, right? Like, you, because of who you are, you receive this inheritance. And the Bible's saying, when we are born again, we become children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, who we are guarantees that we have an inheritance, a blessing that is already stored ahead for us in heaven where it is kept pure and undefiled. That is the hope that we have, and that hope should ground us. And one of the things that I'm struck with when I read the New Testament of the Bible is how the early followers of Jesus, they had much more of a future view in how they looked at life. Everything wasn't so immediate in here and now. And I think it's because they struggled. They went through persecution. They faced poverty. They faced difficulty. And so over 300 times you see the word hope mentioned as you read through the Bible and especially in the New Testament. And so often it is the hope of heaven. They are looking past this life. Now God can bless you in this life. He can bless you with provision. He can bless your family. He can bless you with work and a job and skills to do the things that you need to do. He can bless you with healing and with health, and he can bless your relationships. He can bless all kinds of things in your life. But don't miss this. Peter's calling our attention to the ultimate blessing that God holds out for us in heaven. The greatest blessing of all is the blessing that God gave us in Jesus Christ, who died and rose again for us. And if God did nothing else for you, nothing else for me, if he, if he never answered another prayer, I mean, he's already done more than I could ever ask or imagine. And so we count that as a blessing and we look forward to that hope, pure and undefiled, kept in heaven for us. Heaven's going to be amazing. It's so amazing that the Bible describes it by the things that it's not, because it's too, I think, challenging to describe it in great detail by the things that 
it is. In fact, my best example of this is a few decades ago, there was a missionary who actually um, had learned the language of this uh, tribes, this group of tribes people. Many of these tribes members had never been outside of their village. They had never really encountered the modern world, language, all of that. And he brought one of these individuals to America. And, you know, he had never seen a car. Can you imagine that experience? And, you know, what impressed him the most about America was grocery stores. That's the most impressive thing. He said when he walked through a grocery store for the first time, he said to this guy, he said, why don't you just live here? Because he's looking around like, you don't have to hunt, you don't have to go kill anything, you don't have to deal for food, like, it's all here, let's, let's just get a tent, you know, we'll put a tent up, we'll put a little blanket down, and we'll just, you know, live at the super Walmart, live at Target. Um, but what was fascinating, he said, is after that experience, he went back with him, and he watched this individual try to explain in his native language to his brothers and sisters and peers and friends what he had seen and experienced. And he said the language failed him. The, the, the words failed him. He, how could you describe freeways and grocery stores and all of these things to people who had never been outside of that village? And what he found was, found was fascinating is the only way he could really describe it was to talk about how it was not what they currently experienced. Like, there's no hunting. Just food's there. Right? There's no, and, and, and again and again, he was taking what they had experienced and saying, it's not this, it's not that, it's not this. Now, here's what's fascinating. When the Bible talks about heaven, it says this. There'll be no more crying, no more mourning, no more pain, no more suffering. The old order of things has passed away and the new order has begun. It's beyond our comprehension. It's described as a wedding feast and as a celebration. It's described as a party. I think the implications as you read through the Bible, the new heaven and the new earth, I think we'll do meaningful work. I think we'll engage with loved ones who have gone before us. I think, you know, it's going to be this incredible place that is kept in heaven for us and that we already have that blessing. And my encouragement to you is this week to just count the blessings you already have, and you'll find that you begin to make each of those blessings count even more. God, thank you. God, thank you for your love. Thank you for all that you've done for me through Jesus Christ. Thank you for my faith. Thank you for my hope. Thank you for the promise of no more hurting, no more pain. I mean, listen, when you get to be a certain age, hello, and you go to a doctor and you tell them your knee hurts, you know what the doctor says to you? He says, yeah, it's just going to do that from now on. It's a long, slow decline and then you die. Like, but heaven is the promise of no more pain, no more knee problems, no more physical issues, no more challenges. And as we give thanks to God for all the things in our lives, it tunes us up to his blessing. God has already blessed you. Don't miss it. Don't let CNN steal that. Don't let Fox News steal that. Listen, God has already blessed you and he can bless you even more as you follow him in faith. Here's a third thought. Expect God's mercy, expect God's blessing, and then expect God's joy. Look at this, 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 6. It says, so be truly glad. 
There is wonderful what? Joy ahead. Even though you must endure many trials for a little while. I mean, the Bible is realistic. Like you're going to endure trials. You're going to, you're going to go through difficulties, but we can still hang on to the joy ahead and we can even have joy in the now. This is more than just hype. You know, a lot of times people give us hype and they mistake it for hope. It's like the lyrics to the song, Annie. Remember the song, Annie, you know, the sun will come out tomorrow. Bet your bottom dollar there'll be sun tomorrow, right? I love you. I love you. I'll stop now. And for a lot of people, that's, it's just like blind optimism. Why will it be better? We don't know. Annie just sings the song. But listen, from a biblical standpoint, it's saying because God is filled with mercy, because Jesus rose from the dead, because we can be born again and walk in him, that is not just hype, that's real hope grounded in something. The Bible calls it living hope that's alive. Because of that living hope, we can have joy even in the midst of the challenges that we face. And so Peter... Peter's saying, hey, look, God's with us. He's protecting us until the final day. He is literally securing our inheritance. We should be truly glad despite our troubles. Other transla translations put it this way, rejoice even though. Anybody had any even though things in their life? Rejoice even though, you know, your spouse is driving you crazy. Rejoice even though you don't feel like you can change one more diaper and keep your sanity. Rejoice even though, man, you have no idea how you're going to get through what you're growing through. Rejoice even though things may be hard and work challenges may continue to pile up. Rejoice even though a friend may have let you down or somebody went after you on social media or, you know, your child won't sleep through the night. Rejoice even though you may be struggling and hurting and facing uncertainty in your life right now. Rejoice even though you might be going and giving in to sin and temptation and it continues to have control over you. Rejoice even though you face pain and illness. Rejoice through it all. Why? Because it says there's wonderful joy ahead. There's wonderful joy ahead even though you might face troubles of many kinds. Rejoice even though. That's the hope of Easter. And so this time of year, I hope you and I can go into this next season in our life grateful and with a smile, not because our lives are perfect and not because the world's perfect, but because we believe Jesus rose from the dead and we're expecting God's mercy. We're expecting God's blessing. We're expecting God's joy to meet us along the way. Be truly glad. Be truly glad. In fact, I would love to introduce you to some friends of mine here at Central I love for them to share their story with you of how Jesus has rescued them and how they were born again and came to discover the meaning of his resurrection. And so all of these individuals are not actors. These are their stories in their own words. And as they come and share them, let's give it up real big for them. My name is Brian. After my divorce, I turned to alcohol and drugs. I was overcome by bitterness and anger. I was angry at God for the circumstances I found myself in. It wasn't until I found Central and the community here that I realized that I needed to change. Because of the support from my new family at Central, I have been sober for five years now. 
Let it be known I am no longer addicted. I am no longer ashamed. Let it be known I am free. My name is Carrie. From the age of four until I was 25, I was physically and sexually abused. In my relationships, I gravitated towards the same abuse I experienced as a child. I became numb and lost my identity in that trauma. After leaving those abusive relationships behind, a friend invited me to church for the first time. It was there that I first heard the message of a second chance. I asked God to show me who He really was, and since then, I have found my identity through Christ. I have found my value in God's love. I am no longer trapped to the trauma of my past. Let it be known, I have been rescued. Let it be known, I am loved. My name is Valerie. For 35 years, I was an addict and an alcoholic. Addiction destroyed my family. I had to give up my first child when he was three and lost custody of my daughter when she was six. I found Central in 2012 and got baptized, but I was not ready to surrender my addiction. After a five-day binge, I knew something needed to change. I felt ashamed and guilty. I fell to my knees in surrender and cried out to God. Through God's grace, I am reconnected with my children and have been sober for six years. Let it be known, I am no longer ashamed. Let it be known, I am redeemed. My name is AJ. I grew up in a difficult home. I was longing for something to fill a void of love in my life. I filled that void with empty relationships and partying until a friend invited me to Central. Here, I found new meaning and purpose. God filled the void in me with His love and acceptance. Let it be known, I am no longer incomplete. Let it be known, I have been made whole. My name is Gabriella. I never had a relationship with Jesus. I was going through the motions of religion. In high school, I saw how my friends were being impacted by the love of Christ, and I started to question my own faith. I was invited to Central Youth, and it was there I gave my life to Christ. In 2020, I had a health scare that caused me to question everything in my life, and I realized I was incomplete without God. It was then I fully surrendered my life to Jesus. Let it be known, I am no longer lost. I am fully found. Let it be known. My name is Stacy. Early on in life, I was pushed away from the church and didn't want anything to do with it. I was invited to Central by a girl I was dating. It was different from any church I'd been to before. We got involved with community and in CR. The love of the Central family restored our relationship and restored my faith in God. We are now married and continue to serve together. Let it be known I am no longer unwanted. Let it be known I am now home.
May I ask you to please be seated for just a moment. If you're here today and God's been tugging on your heart, he's been tapping you on the shoulder, you know he's been calling you home, I would love to give you an opportunity to be born again, as the Bible says, to place your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. And I'd love to just lead you in a simple prayer, just a way to respond, to open your heart to God. It's not really the finish line, it's, it's a starting place to say, God, I'm surrendering to you. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to trust you. So I'm going to ask all of you across our locations, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And if you'd like to become a follower of Jesus today, you can begin that journey by repeating this prayer after me. Just say, dear God, I thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus into the world. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again. Forgive me for my sins. Give me the gift of eternal life. Help me face the challenges I'm up against. God, I surrender my life to you. In Christ's name. Friends, if that's your prayer today, if it's your commitment, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask you to just slip your hand in the air. Just make eye contact with me. Just to say before God, say to me, you're going to trust him in your life today. God bless you guys. Slip your hand in the air. Thank you. reach out to him today. Thank you, guys. Bless you, guys. Thank you. God, we thank you for your love, and we thank you for your kindness. I thank you for those reaching out to you today, and I pray you will move in a tangible and powerful way in each of their lives. Forgive and heal and restore. We give you the praise and you the thanks today in Christ's name. Amen. Well, hey, thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed this podcast, there are a couple of things that I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe and review this podcast and connect with us on social media by following at Central Online. You can also contribute to what God is doing through Central. You can simply visit centralchurch.online slash give, and you can give a gift today. And thanks again for joining us on the Central Church Podcast.